Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. I'm John Ray, and no, I am not Dr. Jim Morrow. Uh, we've uh, switched roles here today. Uh, I'm guest hosting for Dr. Morrow, and uh, my special guest on today's edition of To Your Health is Dr. Jim Morrow. Dr. Morrow, Jim, welcome to your own show. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. It's good to be anywhere right now, to be honest, but it's very good to be here. This is a little different. I kind of like it. Might let you do this more often. You're making me do all the work. I'm not crazy about this at all. I can tell you. I like that part. (laughs) Well, uh, no, we thought we'd switch it up uh, a little bit today, folks, because uh, uh, Dr. Morrow's got a a special story to tell that that, uh, a lot of us can learn from, all of us can learn from. Um, and that is uh, his encounter with um, uh, COVID-19. So let's get right into it, uh, Jim. What? Tell us a little bit about what happened to you. I guess it's been about four weeks ago now on a, on a weekend. Yeah, it was Sunday. This past Sunday was four weeks ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, in the morning, I woke up and had breakfast and all of a sudden, I had a little cough, and it wasn't a bad cough. It was never a bad cough, but I was coughing and had some drainage, and within 30 minutes, I was so fatigued, I ended up back in bed. This is 8.30 now, probably, 9 o'clock, and I, I just I couldn't stay up. I had to go to bed, and I did. And I was in the bed for most of the day. And later in the day, I, fi- I think I finally got up and went back into the den. But I never got out of my chair again until time to go back to bed. It was terrible. I mean, the onset was incredibly fast. Um, and really, that day, the main thing I had was the fatigue and that tiny little cough. And... I mean, where do you think, I mean, where did this happen? I mean, do you know, or. Well, you, I don't think anybody really knows unless they're taking care of someone with COVID and they end up with COVID. But I went to a, a dinner with a bunch of guys um, six days earlier. Uh, it was the first time I had been in that setting since this whole thing started. But uh, as I've told everybody, Peggy and I felt like we were invincible. We'd had our vaccines first of the year. Uh, Cases were coming down. People were talking about, you don't have to wear a mask here and there. And we'd gotten to where if she wasn't wearing a mask at all, really. And if I wasn't here at the office seeing patients, I wasn't wearing a mask and I didn't wear a mask at a dinner because that's incredibly difficult and if not impossible. And so I think it probably happened at that dinner, but it's a guess. I think it's a pretty good one, but it's a guess. And so that was a six-day difference between when when you conceive potentially were infected and when symptoms came on. Yeah. The only other time I was around anybody other than my wife without a mask uh, was the day before I got sick. 
we went to the opening of a new school here in the county. And there were probably 300, 350 people there. And there wasn't a mask in sight. And I got sick the next day. So that's too quick, really, for it to have happened. Uh, so I didn't get sick there, but I exposed everybody there. Mm. Or at least a bunch of people that I was standing around talking to. Sure. You know, the CDC and most of the researchers have said that in order to be, quote, exposed, end quote, you need to spend 15 minutes in a 24-hour period around someone that has COVID-19. And luckily at that school, I didn't really spend 15 minutes around anybody. I didn't spend more than five or eight maybe around anybody. It was a matter of trying to say hello to all the people I could in that room or in that school. So I don't really, I don't know that I caused anybody any harm there, but I don't like the fact that I was infected then and didn't know it, which is a gigantic problem with this virus. And, and you know, that's kind of an interesting thing. At least it's interesting to me. It's probably not interesting to anybody listening. But with SARS, one SARS-CoV-1 came around uh, two, in the year 2000-ish, something like that. It was a horrible, horrible, horrible infection that killed the majority of people that got it. Well, it made people sick incredibly quickly and very, very sick incredibly quickly. So people, not long after getting exposed, ended up in the hospital hmm. where they could be controlled, or at least their exposure to other people could be controlled. And so that virus, because it was so bad, only lasted about eight months, and then it died away, mm. and it's gone. But this one, because of the fact that you can have it and not know it, and it is so indolent in the way that it works, it just doesn't attack you and do horrible things immediately. It doesn't do horrible things to 80% of people that get it. Because of that, this virus is just dramatically different. Now, you... And just to be clear, uh, and maybe we should have set this up from the beginning. I mean, you're a healthcare provider. You believe in the vaccine. You had the vaccine and you had the vaccine when? I had the vaccine in December, late December, and again in the middle of January. And you had which one? I had Pfizer. Okay. Got it. And my wife, Peggy, had Moderna. Okay. She got sick a day after I did, because obviously I had exposed her. And, um, she never got badly sick. And again, she had Moderna and I've read articles that say that Moderna is better for this variant, which you have to assume you have if you've been vaccinated. Um, so I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but she wasn't that bad off, but I had Pfizer and she had Moderna. Okay. Okay. So back to that Sunday, I mean, you were in the, uh, uh, your Barker lounger, as it were, you, you couldn't get out of it. Uh, Body aches, you say, were horrible. Um, they started that night and mostly the next morning. Okay. Um, and it was just like somebody was beating me with a lead pipe. Mm. I mean, it was just terrible. And I've, I've got a lot of arthritis. I'm used to having pain here and there. But I'm telling you, this was whole body. Just, it was terrible. It's like it falling off a building or something. It was horrible. And, and the fatigue with it a little bit of cough and <laughs> it's kind of crazy to admit this, but I never checked my temperature because I didn't think about it. I wasn't thinking a lot and I never did check my temperature. Um, so I'm not sure what my temperature was during that time. Uh, I never, I, one night I sweated the bed, if you will, mm. 
the next morning it was soaked. And so obviously during that night, I'd had some fever and broken it. Um, and after that, I didn't have uh, the body aches as badly, but that was probably days six, something like that, mm-hmm. coming into the next weekend. Okay. It was, it was horrible, just a horrible thing. Up, even up to that point, it was bad. So how do you, I mean, you described getting beaten by a lead pipe. I mean, most people hadn't been beaten by a lead pipe. So, I mean, I mean, how do you just, I mean, folks have had body aches like arthritis and, and as you describe, but how do you describe the, the depth of the pain and the exhaustion that you felt? I mean, how, how can you describe that? Well, if you put the exhaustion and the energy level on a scale of 10 or the lack of energy on a scale of 10, I was a nine. Because I feel like in something like that, you always have to leave room to get better or worse, right? Because if you're alive, you can always get worse. So I, I think I was a nine on the on the energy, fatigue, lethargy scale. Uh, on the, the body aches, I mean, I was an eight the whole time. And it 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 just felt like I've seen movies where people got beat with a phone book. And they were beaten with a phone book because it doesn't leave marks on you. Mm. And, and, and it felt like somebody had been doing that. My muscles were just, if I did anything, it was just so sore and, and such an effort. And the weakness that goes with that, all that, you know, saying that things were an effort, they absolutely were. Uh, the weakness was terrible. And it just, it was something I wouldn't want anybody to go through. I mean, I've had the flu in the past. The flu can't hold a candle to what I was having. It was horrible. When did you know, or was it pretty immediate, that you had a COVID-19 breakthrough infection? Well, I think it was really the next morning when I was no better and I was much worse in many ways, the body aches especially. Um, And I still had that cough, and I just – realized that I probably had COVID and I guess I got it early in the, in the calendar of people getting breakthrough infections because it hadn't, it wasn't something that was really on our radar clinically much. Um, so I, I, I'd say it was Monday early. And then I, I got tested on Tuesday uh, because I was supposed to work Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And so I came down to the office wearing a mask, miserable, um, and decided I needed to go to our Milton office where we do the testing. And I did. And I, obviously, I couldn't see patients. It was very obvious I couldn't see patients. And because even if I didn't have COVID, I had some viral infection of some sort. It was the flu. It was COVID. It was some other viral. It was something. So I didn't want to give it to anybody. So I was heading from the Milton office back to the house. And within 10 minutes of leaving the Milton office, they called me and said that I was positive. Mm. And so I, I knew then I was out of work two weeks, no matter how I felt. 10 days, no matter how I felt. And it turned out I didn't feel like it mattered. I, I couldn't have gone back to work if I wanted to. And you, you felt like driving? I did. Um, 
against my wife's advice, as you might imagine. Um, but I did, and I drove down here. It was um, it was not that bad then. This was uh, this was Tuesday, and I I did it. I mean, driving's I'm sitting still. There's mm. nothing to it, mm. and I could pay attention, so that was good. I wasn't going to get in the car if I wasn't able to concentrate. Later that week, I would not have tried it. You know, by Thursday, I was spending the entire day just sitting in my Barca lounger, if you will. Right. right. And I need everybody to know that it's not a Barca lounge, <laughs> but it's a good term. But I need everybody to know that. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist that. I understand. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, so you went through that week and, and you went kind of maybe up and down a bit on fatigue, body aches, and just feeling like, you know, to use a technical term crap, right? I mean, yeah. So that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and, and then there was a little turn. Uh, I think you described it when, when you wrote about it and folks, we're going to have a link to Dr. Morrow's um, account of this that he published in Forsyth County news um, in the show notes. But according to what you wrote around day eight, you took a turn for the worse. Describe that. I did, and it was interesting because for a year and a half, um, a lot of people know that Peggy and I live in Blue Ridge now. So every day I'm in the car both ways, an hour, 15, hour 30, something like that. It's an easy drive. I'm listening to podcasts most of the time about this dadgum virus. And in these podcasts, they have been preaching about the fact that the second week is when people get worse. It's when they have this cytokine storm that they talked about in the very beginning of it and still do. Um, and that's when people get worse. It's when people get the respiratory problems is when people end up in the hospital. Mm. So on day eight, I had been, I had, I had gotten a pulse oximeter that you wear on your finger to tell you what your oxygen level is. And on the eighth day, I walked down the driveway and was heading back to the house. It goes, it's about 30 yards and it goes downhill at the last half of it a little bit. And the pulmonologist had told me to walk and see what my oxygen was. And halfway back up the driveway, I looked at the oximeter and I thought, well, that couldn't possibly be right. It, it says 65. So my oxygen level at that point was 65. My heart rate was 120, I think ish in that neighborhood. And I take a blood pressure medicine that suppresses your heart rate. So I don't know tell what it would have been. So 65, that's, that's just not good. Mm. And I changed fingers and it was 65. Um, I got back into the house and sat down and very quickly it came back up. But it had gotten down to 65. So I told the pulmonary doctor that. And she said, well, you need to, you need to get the uh, monoclonal infusion, which I should have gotten in retrospect much earlier. But, and this is something that drives people crazy, but we have been saying that if you're vaccinated, you don't need that monoclonal infusion if you get COVID. And and now we're saying that even if you're vaccinated and you get sick, you still need to get this infusion. And it kind of changed while I was going through being sick. Mm. And uh, 
I wish that I had gotten it early on, but I didn't because everybody said, no, nah, don't worry about it. You've been vaccinated because the vaccine vaccine makes you create your own antibodies and the monoclonal infusion is an infusion of antibodies. So it, it seemed duplicitous. So we didn't do it. Um, and I wish I had, but I got that and then ended up um, a day and a half later just having an awful lot of trouble breathing, couldn't keep my oxygen up, just walking around the house and was told I needed to be in the hospital. So uh, about the infusion, is that a choice? I mean, in other words, yeah. Yeah. So you, you could have chose to receive that earlier. That wasn't a uh, issue with your doctor. No, it was my doctor's advice to wait on it and not do it. Okay. Because, the data at the time indicated that it probably wouldn't help. And then we ended up with more data within a few days and everybody started doing it. Got it. Um, but it, it is a, it is a choice. And, and we are telling people now, if you're 65 and get COVID, you need to go get that monoclonal infusion. I don't care if you've been vaccinated 12 times, you need to go get that monoclonal infusion. And, and if you're younger than 65 and have meet other criteria, then you also should go get it. And, and kind of regardless of the symptoms. Pretty much. Yeah. In my opinion, yes. Because when people are tested, almost always it's in that first week. And they might think, well, I'm going to be fine. I, I don't feel that bad. It's like having a head cold. And again, 80% of people that get this kind of feel that way. Mm-hmm. So that's not a big surprise. And, but in the second week, they can still go south and get incredibly sick. So I, I think anyone that meets the criteria. If they're COVID positive, they need to get that infusion. Okay. And the, the way you describe it in uh, your article is striking. I mean, what you say is it, it was, you, you really got to the point where you had to throw the kitchen sink at it. At it. I mean, you're. Well, yeah. What, and when I went to the hospital, uh, and this was odd because the only bed they had at Northside Forsyth at the time for a COVID patient was in the ICU. Now I didn't, I wasn't sick enough to be in the ICU, but that's where I was. And I was very fortunate in that Peg got to go with me. She couldn't leave that room once she went in it. Of course I couldn't either. Um, but she didn't care. She wanted to be there and Lord knows I appreciated it. Um, but when I got there, they were throwing vitamin C and vitamin D and zinc. And I got remdesivir, which is three grand a dose. And if you're really, really sick and have to stay there, they typically do five doses. So Mm. you can imagine what all that adds up to. Um, They gave me, they started me on antibiotics, which scientifically I had a problem with, but as a patient, I said, give me what you got. And I understand that. Um, And then um, IV fluids, Lasix, potassium, um, I guess that's everything. Wow. But it, was, it was crazy. So you uh, went into ICU uh, and you were, you were there how long? Just one day. Okay. Incredibly fortunate. And I firmly believe that the reason I was only there one day is because that infusion 36 hours earlier started to kick in and I was getting better because within 12 hours of being in the hospital, 
my oxygen level was staying up without any problem. Um, in retrospect, could I have done without the hospitalization? Maybe. I don't know. But at the time I went, it was the right thing to do. So at any point, did you feel like, um, man, I, I, I'm going to lose this fight. I'm going to die. No. Okay. I didn't. Um, but it occurred to me several times that I might continue to get sicker and sicker. Mm-hmm. Um, that would not have shocked me if, I, if that had happened. Uh, I'm one of the people that you hear about that's got these comorbidities. I mean, anybody that knows me knows I'm fat. That lady in the exam room last month reminded me I was fat. I was trying to tell her about needing to lose some weight, and she said, well, you're fat. (laughs) I said, well, I am, but I'm not at the doctor. (laughs) I've got that and blood pressure and some other stuff. So, you know, I'm at risk, and it occurred to me that that could end up being a very long drawn out hospitalization. And I was just unbelievably blessed. There's no other word for it. Um, and, and I'm, I'm very thankful that after just the one day I was able to get out. Now I, I will say that one of my doctors was not particularly thrilled with the idea of me getting out, but, um, I was able to make my escape and head back to the house. And I mean, something tells me that there aren't a lot of people listening to this that um, don't believe in the vaccine. But for those that don't, that might be listening, I have to ask the question they would be asking now, which is, isn't this proof that the vaccine really is not that effective or doesn't work? And, and I shouldn't even bother. Not at all. I'm one case. And this is proof that the vaccine is not perfect. No question. But one person getting sick out of your social network after they've been vaccinated uh, doesn't mean any of that. It only means that the vaccine is not 100%. Now, the vaccine is, and I benefited from this tremendously, 100% at preventing severe disease and death. And that's what they have said all along is the reason to get the vaccine is to prevent severe disease and death. I mean, people that get every vaccine we give, somebody gets that particular disease after having the vaccine. Mm. I've never known one that was 100%. Um, Even smallpox wasn't 100%. And so I I don't feel like it says anything at all about that, except that it's not 100%. And People who are concerned about getting the vaccine, you know, I understand that they've got a lot of reasons. I've got enough reasons to fill an entire podcast about why they should and why their reasons are not really valid. Um, But the biggest thing is if you want to keep from getting COVID-19, you should get a vaccine because you're either going to get a vaccine or COVID-19. I'll bet you a crisp $100 bill that you're going to get COVID or you're going to get COVID-19 eventually. Okay, It's going to happen. So get the vaccine and, and avoid all this a huge percentage of the time. Not 100% of the time, 
but a huge percentage of people that get the vaccine will avoid it completely. And people that do get sick, they can avoid serious disease and death at what's still being reported as 100%. Now, I got to say, there's a there was a video yesterday on Facebook, someone that said that they knew someone that died from the vaccine. And that's just not true. They knew someone who got the vaccine and died. And that's different. There have been people who have gotten the vaccine and died. If you vaccinate the number of people that have been vaccinated, somebody in that group is about to die. The numbers are too large or too many people involved for that not to be the case. So some of those people are going to die in the time frame immediately following getting the vaccine. That's not the same thing as dying from the vaccine. That's the same thing as getting a vaccine and dying. And that's different. So if you want to prevent bad things from happening to you, and if you want to prevent getting sick and giving it to your grandfather, when you didn't know yet you were sick, like I didn't know I was sick when I went to that school. If you want to prevent making your grandfather sick, who could have a much worse outcome than you, get the vaccine. The love of Pete, get the vaccine. I firmly believe it saved my life. Because mm. without it, I, I have no doubt that my course would have been dramatically worse. Compelling words here from Dr. Jim Morrow. Uh, he's with uh, Morrow Family Medicine. That's a uh, uh, a part now of Village Medical. And f- Jim, let's. I guess I. You weren't in ICU. I want to get back to ICU for a second. You you weren't obviously there um, in an observation mode. You were there trying to get better, but I'm just curious about what you and Peggy saw there in terms of other patients, the numbers that were vaccinated versus not vaccinated. Uh, we read a lot about that. I mean, what, what were you able to observe and hear about what was going on at this is Northside Forsyth, uh, right. ICU. Well, when you're in there as a patient, you don't observe anything Yeah, because you're locked in that room and the blinds are closed or the curtain, whatever it is. And you, you don't see anything, but the, Staff was talking about, without names, obviously, about the fact that they had others in the ICU that had COVID, and most of them were um, being prone to laying on their stomach for two hours at a time repeatedly through the day, whether they were on a ventilator or not, trying to keep the lungs moving air better. Um, A 41-year-old died while I was there who was unvaccinated, a 41-year-old. And and in the hospital, I think the 94% comes to mind of the patients they had at the time were unvaccinated. And I don't want anybody to hold me to that number, but the vast majority were unvaccinated patients. Mm. And, you know, if if you get that vaccine, you can avoid the serious part of this. And I think anybody would want to do that. So do, do you know what, whether it was the Delta variant that we're hearing about? Nah, you, I don't know. Uh, it's a reasonable assumption, but it's purely an assumption. Uh, after being vaccinated, you know, the vaccine was against the original strain. And 
I, I haven't read anything about people getting vaccinated and then being affected with what turned out to be the original strain. If you're in a big medical center, they'll do those tests, but they didn't do that test on me. So I, I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming that I had Delta. Okay. So you went home and this is, uh, what about 10 days after the original? After your- I went in on day 10, I think it was, I came home on 11 and had planned obviously to be out of work that week. And in talking to people in my office, I said, there's no way on the planet I can come see patients next week. Mm. And even, even the next week, which is now two weeks ago, I, um, I spent that week in the den in my chair. Mm. And when you spend, that's now three weeks of not doing anything when you, when you don't do anything, you get incredibly weak in a hurry, mm. especially when you're 67 and you hadn't been working out with my trainer. I used to work out with him in a long time mm-hmm. and, you know, a million other things. But I mean, I was, I was so weak. My legs were wobbly uh, in trying to do something. My hand would shake. Uh, and, and the mental part of this, the the mental part where I was just unable to concentrate on things, I, I you can call it a fog or whatever, but the the mental part of it concerned me tremendously because I obviously needed that to get back mm. and to get back as quickly as possible, and luckily it did, but um, it was right about the time I came back to work that it did. I'd like everybody to know that it was back before I came back to work. So that's an important thing, I think, but <laughs> it was, uh, it was terrible. Yeah. It was just it, when I, when I finally started driving towards the end of that third week, um, just trying to go to home Depot or somewhere, um, you know, I was no longer contagious. So I wasn't really con- concerned about that. I had no respiratory symptoms whatsoever at that point. Um, other than the shortness of breath, no call for anything. Uh, and I'd go to Home Depot and I'd be in there, you know, a very, very short period of time, you know, more than 10 minutes since I got to go back. Cause I, and, and I couldn't think about how to get places. You know, it, it was, is this where I turn? Is this what I do? And it was just completely bizarre. Mm. It was very strange. Wow. And so th- this was not like uh, forgetfulness or even further than that dementia or something where you really don't know why you can't remember it. I mean, or something like that. I mean, how, how does that compare to something like that? Well, I, I think it's, it's, it was just a, it was more an inability to do multiple tasks in a row than it was a memory thing. Got it. Okay. And I, I do some woodworking. I could no more have gone into my shop and done anything like that than anything during this, during those three weeks. Mm. And, and I'm very happy to say this past weekend, I was able to get out there and do some stuff. But when in, in that three week period, there's no way I could have done it. So this whole situation that you've undergone, I think it comes at a time when we're seeing a lot about the booster 
and uh, the need to get a booster. And uh, we're, we're, I mean, I, I read recently about what's going on in Israel, about a country that was very early on vaccinated, and now they're having a spike, and folks are attributing that to maybe uh, the need for a booster here, here, what, eight months later. Is that is that a, a reasonable assumption, or what, how do you view that? Well, the, the studies from that they're doing on the people who have been vaccinated in the trials, they're continuing to measure their antibody levels. And what they're finding is that at about eight months, those antibody levels start to come down. Mm. And so I, I recommend that anybody who's had the vaccine, when you get to eight months, go get a booster. And the booster is just another vaccine. It's not any different from the first two that you got. You know, the, the first two are the same. This one's the same. If you got Pfizer, go get Pfizer. If you got Moderna, go get Moderna. You can mix them, but unless there's an impossibility to get the other one, I would just get the same one you had before. And the idea, purely and simply, is that it's going to boost your antibody level. And what's pretty obvious is that people's antibody levels are falling after eight months. And I don't, I don't think getting a third one is going to make them last a very, very long period of time. And so in eight months, uh, I'm not sure what we'll be doing. I guess maybe getting another one, but I don't know that. It kind of depends on what um, no one can know, which is how this virus continues to evolve and morph and, and, and uh, mutate, right? Right. That's very true. And I'm sure that the vaccine will be altered in ways that will make it more effective uh, so that we can can do a better job in the future of taking care of whatever strain and, and variant comes out. Um, but, you know, the, the difference in Delta and all these others is not really, it's not a genetic change. It's a change in the spike protein and where it attaches in your body. Uh, the original strain attached in the deeper part of your lungs and so it took a bit for it to get in there, but Delta attaches in the nasopharynx, the nose and throat, back of the throat and that kind of thing. And so it's much easier to get infected with that virus. And I'm not sure how the vaccines are going to deal with that. That's for somebody much smarter than me. Um, but I hope and I believe that they'll do an awful lot of work and research on the vaccines and they'll be able to, to make some changes that will help you. So how has your behavior changed i mean i know it's early you're early back to kind of in the you know in into your normal routine but but how has how has your behavior changed in terms of how you're interacting with the world and and what what does that say in terms of what you recommend i am right back to where i was a year ago i am wearing a mask everywhere if i'm i haven't been outside around people but if i were and it was a lot of people, I'd probably wear a mask. If I was outside and could be a distance away from you, I probably would not wear a mask. But indoors, I'm wearing a mask everywhere I go again. All that good feeling that I had and that Peggy and I had, you know, two months ago about, oh, we're, we're getting back to normal. No, we're not. We're getting back to masks. That's what we're getting back to. Mm. So that's what I'm doing. I'm wearing a mask. I'm trying to be careful about hand washing. Now, I've never been a big believer that this thing was spread dramatically by touching something that somebody touched. Uh, I think the flu does that a good bit, but I, it hadn't seemed that way to me. And I'm not real worried 
about that. Uh, but I am being very careful about respiratory stuff. Folks, again, I'm John Rage sitting in for the host, Dr. Jim Morrow, who's in the uh, guest chair. Um, and we're talking about his experience with, um, I guess what is, we can call it COVID-19 pneumonia, right? That's exactly what I had. Okay. What I didn't say is that when I got my infusion, I think it was on that Monday night, um, I also had a CAT scan that day of my chest and the cat scan, the cat scan showed bilateral COVID pneumonia. Mm. And now I get to go get another one in a couple of weeks to see if it's all gone. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, are, now are you, are, are you going to get a booster now or, or has this, uh, encounter changed your antibodies such that you don't have to, or how t- t- talk to this layman about how that works? That's a, that's a great question. If you get the monoclonal infusion, you can't get the booster for three months. Okay. Because it does alter your immune system in such a way that you wouldn't respond well to the uh, the booster. So in three months, two and a half now, I'll uh, I'll go get my booster. Got it. Um. So, I guess what t- t- in terms of those that are trying to do whatever they can to keep themselves safe and others safe um, beyond wearing that mask and getting the booster when they're eligible to get the booster. Is there anything else that you recommend? Really? That's, that's it. It's that and distancing. I think that's still important. Um, you know, a lot of people are taking vitamin D because vitamin D helps with your immune system, helps it be stronger. So you know, I, I think taking vitamin D is a fine thing. I think you should have your vitamin D level checked before you start taking vitamin D because you don't want to get too much. Um, vitamin C is something that for prevention, I don't see any reason for. Uh, when I got sick, they loaded me up with vitamin C. But for prevention, I don't really see that it would help. It's not going to hurt, but I don't think it's going to help. Um, really, there's there's not anything else. It's just that. Well, you know, Jim, I mean, you have been, um, I mean, you're a friend of mine, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, biased to you anyway, but you have just been, um, uh, giving folks a lot of information and sharing what happened to you and being so open about that. And, uh, I can't tell you how grateful I am. And I know a lot of people that I've heard that read what you wrote. And, uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll listen to this and, uh, feel the same way. So on behalf of them, uh, and our listeners, I thank you. Well, I appreciate that. I've just, I hope that this and my article in the newspaper and anybody that talks to me, I hope I can convince somebody to go get the vaccine because I, I think it's just the most important thing for any of our health right now. And I think it will be for many, many months to come. So I encourage you, please go get the vaccine. If you're still on the fence, go see your family doctor and talk to them about getting the vaccine. And if they say don't get it, come see me because they're wrong. Final word from Dr. Jim Morrow, uh, normally the host of (laughs) To Your Health. And I'll be glad to turn this back over to you next time, Jim. I'd love to have it. This, this is. (laughs) 
strange. I don't want, I don't like being the patient. <laughs> there you go. Right. Uh, Okay, folks, I just want to remind you that uh, this episode of To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, which is now part of Village Medical. And uh, Dr. Morrow and his team decided to align with Village Medical when they found out they wanted to spend more time with their patients and leave uh, the financials and technology and operations to a company that does those things well behind the scenes. So uh, you'll see the Village Medical signs pop up here in the in the coming months. But in the meantime, and afterward, you'll get the same care that you always have at Morrow Family Medicine. So, and if you don't, let me know, and we will fix it. That's important. Doesn't get any better than that. Uh, and let, why don't you let everybody know where they can be in touch? The best way is probably to your health MD at gmail.com. And as I say that, I'm trying to remember if that's right because it's been a while, but it is to your health MD at gmail.com. Awesome. And, and, uh, and that the same invite to email you and that goes directly to you. Doesn't, doesn't go to me. Uh, that that email for the anybody's got questions any listeners that have questions on this episode or any of our other episodes or you have topic suggestions uh we'd love to hear them so you can communicate with dr morrow directly at that email address that's right awesome well i think that's it <laughs> dr jim morrow on behalf of my guest dr jim morrow I'm guest host John Ray. Join us next time on To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow.